4: listening to highlights from the opinion line on corks 96 fm to hear the full show download the podcast from itunes or see 96 fm.ie the opinion line with pj coogan on corks 96 fm
5: 1850-715-996 1850-715-996 is the number to call. Text or the WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Both the same number, of course. Email opinion at 96 i e. Twitter at opinionline96. Our hashtag is OL96. And uh, you continue to send loads of messages in to Facebook, the course 96 m. Facebook page. And mark them, please, for the attention of the opinion. line. Okay, been saying in. It just makes them easier for us to find because we get messages in here at 1 o'clock in the morning for us. And if we can just search them, it makes them easier to find. So just that little bit of word of advice before you sit down to write to us on Facebook. Thank Crunchy. It's Friday coming around again. Uh, The bishops or the archbishops are now... Complaining, it's in the papers this morning about level three restrictions and the fact that mass and services have to go back online. It came up yesterday with one of our callers and it's going to come up with another one this morning. So we'll see where that goes. Should people be allowed to go to mass? Like, no disrespect, but it's not like mass is thronged anyway. So, should people be allowed to continue to go to mass during level three? Also, we look at Cork's numbers, we do it Mondays and we do it Friday. And the numbers are grim for Cork, very, very grim. And it looks like certain parts of the city are really, really bad at the moment. So that's all to come. But first of all, um, we have a stabbing being investigated. Now, this happened yesterday afternoon. Uh, we started to get pictures of activity down in the city centre uh, And Maureen joins me from the newsroom. Maureen, good morning.
6: Good morning, PJ. What what,
5: what do we have at this stage?
6: So we know that, Cardi, are investigating this. So it happened at around 3.45pm yesterday on Patrick Street, so the city's main thoroughfare, quite a busy you know street at that time of the day mm. um, we have seen as you said we've seen pictures and you know from what i understand it happened as a lot of people were around and it's frightened a lot of people people are shaken by what's happened so it's understood that a man in his late 20s suffered stab wounds during the altercation he was taken to hospital with what we believe to be serious but non-life threatening injuries mm-hmm. now on the back this was of broad this, daylight it light. was broad daylight and from what I understand I mean it spilled out kind of into the road and you know was, and there was a lot of people around doing their shopping just going about their, their daily business and this broke out and it has shaken a lot of people now at Cork North Central Shin TD Thomas Gould has come out to say you know this shows that we need a stronger Garda presence in the city and he said you know the people of court they're not used to violence of this magnitude because you can imagine you're walking along minding your own business and then you see this happening in front of you in the city that you're just so used to feeling safe in so it has shaken a lot of people who did witness this. Um, now the Garda are investigating it um, any witnesses are asked to come forward and um, hopefully this uh, this male in his late 20s will make a full recovery.
5: It sounds like something that an American cop show, you're quite okay with seeing it on television but not down in Patrick Street on a Thursday afternoon.
6: Absolutely, I mean you're walking around, you know, maybe you're just doing your shopping and this happens, um, it's definitely not something that you'd expect to see and it's going to frighten a lot of people who witness that because, you know, at 3.45pm we've got schools in the city, you probably had a lot of young people around as well so for any generation this is a frightening thing to happen.
5: OK, and the guy's got serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Any arrests made or anything? Uh,
6: no, so I just contacted Gardaí before I came in and they said that they have no update at this time and that their investigation is ongoing.
5: OK, thanks, Maureen, for, for that. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. If you were in town yesterday afternoon, if you were around the Patrick Street area, you saw it or you came across it... If you can help us, well, first of all, if you have any information that might help with the investigation, you can call the guards at 18, 1800 666 111 is their confidential tip line. But also, if you saw it and want to describe it to us, then 1857 15996 is our number. I just want to look at the numbers, speaking of numbers, looking at the, the numbers in Cork this morning, uh, because, again, we're being told that it's all over the... Newspapers this morning, and it's been rumored now in very high political places that we're only on hold for a massive escalation of restrictions around Halloween. That we're going to stick with level three until Halloween to let some kind of an economy exist. And then, if by Halloween we don't have the numbers stabilizing or on a downturn, but at the very least stabilizing, there's a plan in place for a massive upgrade on restrictions from Halloween. That's rumoured this morning, that the midterm break would become three weeks. Now, no one is saying it out loud, but that seems to be very, very strongly rumoured this morning. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine. 7.15, says Oh, I get back to the, the numbers, because I think Tony is there. Hi, Tony. How are you doing?
3: Morning, did you, you Did
5: you see that stabbing incident? Uh, no, no,
3: no. No, I didn't, no. I just sent in a message... Um and just basically saying that, um, what we're doing at the moment with the uh, current Garda presence, um, with, you know, all the stopping and asking people where they're going and stuff like that, I just feel that that's, uh, it's too much, I think, really, as such. What I think we need to do with our current Garda force is to redeploy more bodies on the streets because when you have such a serious incident like this in broad daylight, I mean, clearly, there's not enough of a Garda presence. And there is a real sense of fear on our streets, but... At the moment, as you know yourself, we're in a level 3 lockdown so what the Gardaí are doing is they're stopping everybody and they're educating them as to where they go. It's been said that the Gardaí have no real powers and you talked about it on your show. They have week. none. They have no real They have powers. none at all. Exactly. And my point here, PJ, and they may be wrong and I am open to, a, to opposing views on this, but they are causing lengthy traffic jams, um, all in the, uh, the the name of, of educating well, us about this, well, well, this Tony, situation.
5: You're right about that. And when I spoke to Cormac O'Keefe, or Cormac O'Keefe, the security correspondent at the Examiner earlier in the week, he was relaying back to me that one of his higher level Garda contacts had suggested to him that literally the only power they have is cause traffic jams so people will literally get browned off and go home. And you see
3: that's the point, to, that's part of the point that I'm making. Look, we have enough, uh, well we don't have too much education about this because, look, we've got, we've got plenty. We've, we've got reliable sources like your show, OK? We're constantly being educated about COVID. We know what it is that we need to do. Um, and, you know, places like your show don't lie. You guys don't mess about. You put out the right information. So we're being educated on a daily basis. My point here is that we do not need the Gardaí causing lengthy traffic jams, holding people up unnecessarily uh, in situations like this, OK? You do, uh, unfortunately, have a situation where we're where on a level three lockdown. So we have inter-county traffic, but you may very well have somebody stuck in a traffic jam trying to get to an elderly relative who may need medication, who may need food, who may need anything. Okay, And these people aren't just as it is. What we need to do with the current Guard Force is we need to redeploy them in areas where they're far more effective than standing outside in the rain telling people, oh, have you heard about the COVID situation? Look, there's enough education out there at the moment. We do understand the situation. We're doing everything that we possibly can. Well, some of us are anyway. And what we need to do is just redeploy them in the right area. I understand that Thomas School is asking for um, more guardy, and that's fair enough. I understand that. But we, we have a shortage idiot. anyway. We do have a shortage. We do need to address that particular uh, crisis, and that's a long-term solution. We need a, a, an effective short-term solution. We need more guiding on the streets because, PJ, if you take this situation, right, if you look at it, the people who carried out this attack, they had with them a knife. They were carrying a knife with them. Now, you don't go about the place carrying a knife with you unless you're se- securing the knowledge of knowing that, look, the chances of you being stopped and searched by a Gardaí are minimal, Right. So then they then then went and attacked this person, did what they did in broad daylight. Now, I can guarantee you, if you had a heavier guard presence on the streets, the chances of that incident occurring would have seriously gone down. It it may still have occurred because there could be a, a serious dispute there, but the chances of it happening would have seriously been reduced. We don't have enough Gardaí on our streets. They're overworked, they're overstretched, they're underpaid. I'm not having a go at the Gardaí, I'd like to make that very clear. Yeah, no, clearly you're not, that they're clearly they're doing you're a fantastic not. job.
5: But at the what moment, things, what, what, do, I see, what I think you're saying, Tony, is that they're out on traffic duty, on on checkpoints for COVID-19, and it's almost open season for the criminal fraternity while they're out there.
3: I Yes, I do. And look, I'm open to opposing views on this. I I would, I would like this to be discussed more because the more attention that we draw to this, then the more that their superiors are going to sit up and listen and say, well, actually, hold on, maybe we are redeploying our current existing, uh, well, our existing guard force in the wrong areas. We need to put them in an area where they're far more effective. And there is a real sense of fear on the streets at the moment with everything that's currently going on. We are in a a level three lockdown during the pandemic, but now we have uh, a very serious incident in broad daylight. And I do honestly believe that we need Gary back on the streets, not causing traffic jams. Right. You know, I just think that the people who made these decisions need to kind of come back and revisit what they did.
5: Okay, okay. Here's a call, Tony, and this will add to what you're saying. Just had someone on the phone, uh, withdrawing money from Ulster Bank, Patrick Street, a couple of weeks ago, had it snapped clean out of his hand. But a delivery worker gave chase and caught the thief in Merchants Quay. Town has gone mad. Can
3: I make a point to that, if you don't mind? Of course. Um, so, fair pay to that delivery worker for going after the, the, um, the, the person who had taken the money and, you know, they put their own safety and practically their own life on the line because anything would have happened to them. But if a group of people had done that, we would be calling that vigilantism. We would be. We'd be saying, well, that's taking the law into your own hands and, and that's, 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 that's vigilantism, right? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. We are now having to resolve or resort to this because we don't have the Guardi there to be able to depend on them. We just don't have them there. It's as simple as that. Again, I'm not having to go off the Gardaí. I believe they do a great job at what they have at the moment. They're overworked, they're overstretched, they are underpaid. Let's face facts. Well, oh, look,
5: we, we, we were through at election time and we went really deep, we did a real deep dive into it during the election campaign, Tony, here on the programme, where we yeah. looked at the numbers and we looked at crime and we looked at the kind of thing. And we have thousands of people in Cork living in fear of crime. And I put that to the Taoiseach and I put that to Micheál Martin and I put that to Simon Covey. I got the same answers. Oh, we're looking after it. We're taking care of it. We know full well that they're not.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, And yesterday is a fantastic, um, well, it's a a really tragic example of what happened. Um, A lack of Gary presence on the streets leads to these kind of incidents. and It's it's as simple as that. It it genuinely is as simple as that. If you had more Gary on the streets... The chances of that incident occurring yesterday would have greatly been reduced, but Strong. unfortunately, we are where we are.
5: Strong points, uh, Tony. Thank you for the call, and it's got the lights lighting because I think you're after uh, touching a nerve this Friday morning, Michael. PJ, good morning, PJ.
7: I just entered there's a to dear tomorrow in Dublin. There's an anti-mask protest. Okay. Yes my suggestion is that the minister of health the minister of justice to come forward in the dial and say that the guardian will take the names of 50 people involved in that and that if by any chance they contact coronavirus they will not you as a doctor a nurse or a physio for, or whatever different profession you are will not be putting your life online so these fellas can do what they want to do because like the court the there and the news there a while ago, there could be a thousand people a day, yeah. you know, confirmed with having
5: coronavirus. There's two things about what you just said. Uh, well, three, actually. One, I think not a lot of people would agree with you. But two, the guards don't have any powers like that. None. They, they have insane. no powers whatsoever. And, third, and thirdly, no doctor or nurse will refuse to treat a patient, yeah. no matter where that patient comes from.
7: Yeah. But that's, we have to come, we have to counterattack, PJ. And for the Minister of Health and the Minister of Justice with it back into the doll to come out and say, okay, these guys are going to be arrested, their names are going to be taken, they're not going to be from the prison for a week or a month, they're not going to be fined a thousand quid. This is the only way to hit and wear it hurts. Yeah. And I hope they will go ahead in that. Because otherwise the police and doctors, the police and nurses, the police and physios and specialists are hitting their head off a stone wall.
5: Well, as we discussed earlier in the week, that protests can go ahead tomorrow if someone wants to do one in Cork it can go ahead too the guards literally can do nothing but stand there and watch because they've got no powers to intervene but that's
7: what I'm saying to you PJ it's upset the government the Minister of Health and Minister has said they have power, Special Emergency Act because there's thousands upon people there was over a million people died for this thing there's over
5: 220,000 in America killed by it and these fellas think it's a fucking joke like Mr Trump have a good day Cheers, Michael. Thank you. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. I don't think Trump thinks it's a joke anymore. I don't think he's as well as he says he is. He's using it now as a, to, to boost his election campaign. But I don't think he's as well as he says he is. I wouldn't wish ill on him, by the way. I hope he makes a full recovery. No matter who he is, I hope he makes a full recovery. But I'm not too sure he's as well as he says he is. Councillor John Maher was on. We have a shortage of the for years... The dogs in the street know that. It's definitely time now to box clever when it comes to using our resources, which I think, John, is what Tony was saying. What is the point of having all these guards, the little of them that we have, the few of them that we have, out on checkpoints for a Level 3 lockdown when in actual fact there's people being stabbed in Patrick Street? It's not their fault. They've got to do what they're told by the fellas in the white shorts. Mags says, shocking incident from the commentary I've seen online, though. In fairness to the guard, they were there within minutes and did a great job in assisting the injured man as well as sealing off the area. That's absolutely true, Mags. That's absolutely true. But that's what the guards do. They're there. They do a fantastic job. We just don't have enough of them. Kate says they need to reopen the guard stations. A friend of mine had to sign a form and phoned Carrigaline to know if they were open. The officer that answered was in Anglesey Street. Was told to go, she was told to go to Toker. Where's the local response? This is still going on. This guff that you have a town like Carrigaline with 20,000 or more people. And it's a guessing game. You could run a lottery down there. If you walk down the street, Carr- main street of Carrigaline this morning and ask 10 people, when is the Garda station open? They couldn't tell you. And the Garda station is in the middle of the town of Carrigaline. They have no idea when it's open. The same goes for loads of small Garda stations. Kate, you're on the ball. The Opinion
4: Line on Courts 96 FM. With the indoor self service laundrette. Now at the Junction
1: Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying. Done within an hour. Self-service SelfserviceLaundry.ie.
4: This is Courts. Gold Imro award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396
5: 96, 96 On Courts 96 FM. Just that caller we had while I was talking to Tony about being robbed at an ATM where someone literally snatched the money out of his hand and a Deliveroo worker gave chase and got his money back around on Merchant's Key. That person also told us that they had another near one outside the GPO. There are shops in Paul Street that this person just won't go to anymore. And the only reason they wouldn't come on air was to be afraid of their living life... That they might be recognised and that they might meet the thief in town. See, that's, that's someone living in fear. 185715996. Nikki, I saw your, your tweet yesterday afternoon and I know exactly where this happened to you. Very frightening. Good morning.
8: Morning, PJ. Thanks for, thanks for calling me and having me on air.
5: This was up around Capwell Road. Describe um, where it is and what happened.
8: Well, it's the junction. It's it's an extremely busy junction. It's where St. John's College and the South Infirmary um, are across from each other. And then you have Paddy the Farmers and then coming down from, I can't think of the name of that. That's one of the
5: busiest junctions in the city, down by Langford Road, that area. yeah,
8: It's fierce busy. And it's busy for everyone. There's cars going left, right and centre, of course. There's pedestrians trying to cross. Sometimes four lanes of traffic, and they're given ten seconds. I timed it yesterday. Afterwards, yeah. because somebody, um, I'm. I, I often cycle. I also drive. I also walk. Um, but I, I do the school run when the when the weather's dry um, on a bicycle, and and I'm trying to do it more and more because of the government Course. guidance on it.
5: So, in what direction um, were you coming, Nikki?
8: I was coming down Old Black Rock Road and turning right onto um, Anglesey Street. I think it's Anglesey Street. Yes, Street, still there, um, uh, across from but directly. I was I was looking at St John's, making my you turn. You were up
5: St John's College, yeah, You were heading St. down exactly. that way,
8: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, just if you're on a bike and you want to turn right there, well there's no there's no setup for you basically there's a there's a small little cycle lane that comes in uh, that that just appears out of nowhere but it's it's only on the left it's it, it's only good if you're going left or going straight on and as anybody who cycles will tell you it's the right turns that are the dangerous ones so there's <clears throat> there's kind of two uh, car lanes there i say kind of because there isn't really enough space for two car lanes but there's two car lanes anyway, um, one for going straight on and one for turning right. So what I do when I'm when I'm coming down is I size things up. If there's a lot of traffic, I go into the cycle lane and I wait and I cross with the pedestrians. But as I said, they only have 10 seconds themselves. The pedestrians don't like to be borne down on by cyclists. They barely have enough time to get across the road as it is. Um, And so if the traffic isn't too bad, like it was yesterday, there was only one car waiting to turn right, I'd pull in behind. Now, I should say I had my daughter with me. Um, My daughter's six years old. She's nearly seven now. She's been cycling for two years. She's been cycling to school for nearly two years of that as well. Um, so we have plenty of experience. We're extremely careful about how how we manage it. I always cycle with her directly on my left, so that I'm I'm between her and any oncoming traffic. And uh, we're super careful. We're super careful. We've been interviewed for the Echo about it. We've you know mm-hmm. we take we take safety very seriously. We have on all our hives, etc. So um I'm coming down to turn right the car in front of me waits for the oncoming traffic to pass before they make their right turn and I'm in behind the car I don't mean in behind hidden behind I'm I'm waiting to make my turn and as I make my as we make our turn it's a big old turn like I say four four lanes of traffic yeah. you have to get across it's a busy junction and I see there's a car coming down onto the slip lane uh fr- coming down from the Capwell road and that slip lane they would have passed they would have passed um, a solid stop line. They would have gone across that, across where there's a flashing yellow telling them to give way to any oncoming uh, vehicles. And uh, they just kept coming. They kept coming. At first, I was just signalling to the person to slow down. Um, But at the last minute... We were we were well on, on to the new cycle lane, which is on, on the Anglesey Street. And uh, the car was just coming. So I just roared at this stage because my daughter was between me and the car because she's on my left-hand side. And uh, the car stopped pretty abruptly when I roared like that. But my poor little daughter thought I was roaring at her. She thought I'd done, she'd done something wrong. Um, so she got an awful price. Um, she, she didn't really notice the danger she was in because she's just looking at ahead of her. And I'm, I'm in charge of making sure, you know, she's mm. just... So, uh, yeah, it was a horrible experience. Now, I'm not... Everybody is very distracted at the moment. Things are... Nobody, a lot of people aren't going to be driving their best for the next for the current situation that we're all in, everybody's minds are distracted. So we need we need safe infrastructure. I think you're being
5: very kind there, Nikki. I'm sorry now. I think you're being overly kind. Regardless of anything, when you're sitting behind the wheel of your car, you need to concentrate. And if you can concentrate, don't drive.
8: Well, yeah, I, certainly. People certainly. will hate
5: me for that, but tough. Go on, anyway. Um,
8: well, anyway... <laughs> So we, uh, as we make that turn, so the car, we have that horrible time and I kind of, I got off my bike and I, I, I just, I walked ahead with, with my daughter because immediately when you turn right there, there was a bus stop there on is. the left. So any bus that's there is going to, uh, any bus that comes is going to want to get into that. So I couldn't stop immediately. So we kept on walking down the cycle lane until I felt it was safe to stop. Um, and, I, and I kind of I went through it with her and had a chat about what had happened and let her know that she'd done nothing wrong. It took her a long time to even admit that she thought, I thought I did something wrong and that's why I realised she was so upset because she gets very upset. She's a good girl, she doesn't like to do anything wrong. Um, and so, yeah, we, we walked on and, um, and until I felt she was ready, until I felt we were both ready to get on the bike, I was very shook. The lady in the car had just driven off Never stopped to see if anybody was all right. Never apologised. She see it. As soon as we were out of the way, she put the foot down and she was gone.
5: Well, she blew the horn and then drove off.
8: Yeah, she didn't even blow the horn. i say she was a bit embarrassed. I'd say she realised. She must have realised. Well, she
5: didn't blow the horn. Did she even see you, do you think?
8: I was looking at her. I find it very hard. I'm in my high-vis. I have my high-vis gloves. I'm signalling to her. I find it very hard to believe that she didn't see me, but I think she saw through me. I think people, I think car drivers, a lot of car drivers, there's some fabulous car drivers out there. Of course, there are most of them. But there's some of them who just, they see cyclists as kind of a backdrop, you know, not as actual people on wheels trying to get around the city and very vulnerable.
5: Another, ups- another obstacle on the road. Unfortunately, yeah. some of them see you as that. So is everyone all right? Are you okay? The girl okay? Everyone's
8: all right, yeah. We cycled we on school. She has a long old trip to, get, to go on, so I couldn't really walk the whole way. Yeah. It was fierce late as it was, and it was only on the way back that I I lost it then. You're not the first person. When I was out of the way and the tears tears came
5: came. You're not the first person to come on here as a cyclist complaining about how dangerous some of the right turns are in the city, to be fair. I've spoken to others about a very dangerous one out in Turners Cross as well, and you, you only have to look at it to see how dangerous it could be. Your point was, if they want us to cycle, make it safe.
8: Yeah, it's about infrastructure and it's about infrastructure that supports everybody on the road, not just cars. All
5: right. Okay. Leave it there. Nikki, thank you very much for that. I'm glad you're okay. It was a scary thing. If you're ever been, it's been years since I cycled anyway at all frequently. But right turns are the thing of nightmares. They really are the thing of nightmares because you've got to have so you've got eyes in the back of your head as a cyclist. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on the protest. That will be in Dublin tomorrow. And I hear there could be one in Cork too, although nothing certain. Hi, PJ. I bet those anti maskers have no hesitation taking a COVID payment. Oh, you can sing it. You can sing it. Uh, Kevin says I know for a fact that a pub on Cork's north side that doesn't serve food is still serving drink out the back in an outside area. Would I be wrong to port it to the The Well, you would actually, Kevin, on WhatsApp, because they're entitled to do that. The wet pubs can actually serve up to 15 people if they have an outdoor area. If they have an outdoor area, they're entitled to serve up to 15 people in that outdoor area. So, you know, good good luck to them if they're able to do it. If we go up to, set, to uh, level four or level five, that's gone. So that pub in your area that is still serving drink to a, in a garden out the back, then they're perfectly entitled to do it. So far, Sean, by the way, says the government's introducing fines today or talking about it anyway. There's so much confusion now about what's law and what's recommendation. Is this very heavy-handed thing to do? What do your listeners think? I think they need to clarify what things are recommended, what's really needed, and what's totally required. Well, Sean, the problem we have at the moment is that with any kind of level three restriction it is purely a guideline for us so, so even going into a ma- into a shop with a mask on the shopkeeper can't challenge me or can't refuse me service if i don't have a mask can't there's no law behind all these guidelines and there was a piece in the mail on sunday a couple of weeks ago a very good piece where it said that the government was actually warned a couple of times the Attorney General and by others that this big hole in the law was there that you've got all these recommendations and all these guidelines and no law to back them up because you haven't done what you needed to do That's the problem, Sean. 1850-715-996. The
4: Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel
1: Depot, now located at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood, and briquettes for collection or delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie
4: this is courts Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call
1: us now, 1850-715-996. On
5: Quartz 96FM. I mentioned just at the top of the program in my little sermon on the mount to get us started, as I do every morning, um, but we'd come back to this if we got more, and that is that the schools could well close for longer than planned at midterm in a bid to try to curb the COVID. And Fiona Sheehan from The Independent has just put a piece out now to say that the midterm break for schools is expected to be extended as part of plans to curb COVID-19. Schools are due to close from Monday, October 26th, which would, of course, be the bank holiday, uh, to Friday, October 30th. So there was four days of a break there. The government is now likely to add an extra week. Fulon's course sources in the coalition are telling him that such a proposal has been briefly discussed, but no firm decision has been made. That doesn't mean, I'm reading here, that doesn't mean that we will move up from level three. But they could end up with a longer mid-term break. That's that's the latest we have this morning. Uh, also, I'll come back to that one because I want to do the numbers and the cases in a while but let me ask my next guest about that possibility before we move into what he's actually here to talk about uh, Jed Nash from the Labour Party Good morning Jed Morning Peter. thanks just for just having me Quick on. question on that because I know you're here to talk about your budget package the idea of closing the schools for an extra week or maybe more to, in a bid to drive down case numbers where would you stand on that or the Labour Party?
9: Well, it's, it's something that we actually anticipated and it's something that uh, my colleague, um, our education spokesperson, Eon O'Reidon and I had spoken about a couple of weeks ago, uh, we thought that was likely. Um, we know that there are, are issues uh, in schools. Um, by and large, the reopening of schools has been managed really, really well by teachers, school staff, SNAs, caretakers, uh, school administrators and so on, so all all credit to them. But uh, we anticipated this and expected that this might happen, so it's interesting and intriguing to see that it's been openly considered now uh, and it's found its way into the national newspapers. And that's quite likely, if it's found its way into the national newspapers, that it's quite likely to happen.
5: Okay. Let's move to what you're really here to talk about, which is for the budget, and that's next week, and we don't know what it'll hold because... If we were looking back to February and planning for a budget in October, you'd have had an economy in, in, in great order, a or reasonably good order. Now it's in rag order because of COVID-19. So what is it that you would do if you, as Labour's finance spokesman, if you were the man standing up next Wednesday, what would you do on Tuesday?
9: Well, a, a number of things. We, we, we've developed our own cost set of proposals this week, PJ, which we published uh, two days ago. And we are in unprecedented times. I think that goes without saying. As you said earlier on this year, uh, the economy was going gangbusters. Uh, that being said, we had problems. And I think the pandemic has really exposed... A lot of the shortcomings uh, and gaps in our public services, particularly in health, we have seen how people in our health service have worked extremely hard to try to deal with the threat of COVID-19 and also to keep our um, regular health services going, and that has exposed some serious problems. We've also seen as well the economic fallout of the pandemic, and that's really what we're focusing on in our budget response. We now have 15% unemployment, way over half a million. Um, more people have lost their jobs in a shorter period of time over the last six months than was the case in the first two years of the uh, 2008 uh, financial crisis. So that put us in a little bit of context. And we've really a two-speed and two-tier economic scenario facing us. So, I mean, if you're working from home, for a big multinational, generally speaking, you're doing okay. But if you're working in a main street business or running a main street business, like a cafe or a restaurant or pub, you're in deep, deep trouble. So what this package is designed to do is to try to inject state support into those businesses and into workers' pockets to make sure that those who are particularly exposed uh, are, uh, uh, are better able to manage and weather the storm that we're experiencing at the moment and the choppy waters that we have ahead. We've got the twin threats now, PJ, of um, the pandemic next year, still going to be with us, mm. and indeed Brexit.
5: And Brexit, I yeah. think
9: it, of, often we do forget, uh, I think, about the threats that Brexit... Well, what, what we're
5: Brexit saying about Brexit all. here on the programme for a long time, Jed, is, and it's an unfortunate truth, people will really only care about Brexit when it affects the euro in their wallet. They won't care until then
9: this is the problem that's precisely why we've brought forward uh, a comprehensive welfare package because we did this last year as well uh, the reality is and esri research has shown this and we know this anecdotally anyway um it's going to be those who are on fixed incomes um old age pensioners carers uh, people who are on job seekers on the pandemic unemployment payment, who will suffer the worst impacts of brexit why because we know uh, in terms of our dependency on the UK for food, uh, we know that uh, issues around energy costs and so utility bills, they will all go up as a result of a no-deal Brexit, and we're staring down the barrel of that going at the moment. So that's why we've added an additional €5 onto each weekly um, payment. And we've also to mitigate as well the impact of increased carbon taxes. We've decided to uh, up the fuel allowance and extend that by four weeks because there are going to be people who are very vulnerable, um, um, from a health point of view, people who are older who will be cocooning uh, during this winter, they will need that extra support because mm. they will be home more than they would probably like. And significantly as well, we've developed a important set of interventions for younger people. Uh, figures that were released uh, last night uh, arising from a parliamentary question response to myself, and you may have seen in other media today, showed that... Uh, we have 45,000 under 25s on the pandemic unemployment payment and 58% of those are actually on, on, on the lower rate which tells you a lot about the dynamics of young people and work mm. a lot of the sectors that younger people work in retail, hospitality, tourism have been absolutely hammered and that's why we believe and Sean Sherlock has been extremely strong on this as Labour Party, Social Protection Spokesperson we need to increase the pandemic unemployment payment and we want to put it to back up to 350 levels. across the board yeah, and we've actually cost for that um, you know, and, how much would and it cost and, actually? It would cost, actually, for um, the entirety of uh, next year, we would add an additional €3 billion. Euros. And where where would it. that come from, Jed? Well, I'll tell you where it'll come from now. Um, we have no difficulty in continuing to borrow. We're borrowing at extremely low rates. In fact, yesterday, the National Treasury Management Agency, uh, the arm of the state that borrows money to fund our public services, uh, borrowed money, uh, borrow, uh, um, uh, got a bond of €1.5 billion euros yesterday, mm. um, at negative interest rates. So we're actually being paid to mind people's money at the moment uh, because of the actions taken by the European Central Bank. But not only is money cheap to borrow, but it is the right thing to do economically to invest in our state now because our national debt is already catastrophically
5: impact. high. Can it's we really afford is,
9: to put more it's, on? La- it's large but it's manageable. And actually uniquely what the Labour Party is saying is we would not just simply fund uh, our Fair recovery through borrowing, but we 've identified one point eight billion euro in revenue raising measures in terms of taxes on excessive wealth in this country, um, for example, um, you know, most wealth in this country is actually held in you know big pensions in uh, assets like property, we have property investments, pensions, and so on um, and shares uh, so we 've identified ways in which we could capture significant resources to fund a fair recovery in this country, okay. a fair recovery from the pandemic in a way that actually doesn't impact on main street businesses okay. and doesn't uh, increa- uh, impact on job creators. And that's really, really important. Co- a couple of things that are in there. to support our businesses in uh, the context of, of a fair recovery. S-
5: sick leave. Now, I know that you had uh, a bill, which I think most people would have thought was common sense, kicked down the can there last week. You're guaranteeing sick leave for workers in childcare and that sick leave or illness benefit can be claimed immediately rather than within six days.
9: That's right, and uh, we've cost for that to cost potentially around €70 million. Euros, um, and that, that we believe is a pr- price worth paying. Uh, Marie Sherlock, uh, our, our our Senate colleague, uh, developed a very significant piece of legislation, as you say, was kicked down the road for at least six months uh, by government. Uh, the truth is we may very well have a vaccine before uh, legislation that the government says is developing will be introduced to support people who are ill and who are unwell and need to stay away from work. Um, we've also as well ensured that, um, you know, how do we pay for this? We pay for this. Employers, there will be responsibility and employers to pay for it but uh, we've introduced a package of measures that would support SMEs in difficulty uh, to um, cover their costs uh, in terms of um, higher rates of sick pay for those who have COVID-19 or those who uh, may have symptoms and need to get tested. Because the key thing here is to make sure we, we need to learn the lessons from what happened, this scandalous situation in our meat plants and in other employments as well over the last few months, that people who are unwell need not be forced to go to work for financial reasons. They need to stay at home. They need to know that the state has their back because we need that weapon in our arm we protect, to protect everybody from this very, very dangerous condition.
5: Yeah. Meat processing would come under your uh, watchful eye too a 5 million euro levy. Where would that how would that help?
9: That's right. Um we know that the meat plants have been ground zero uh, if I can call it that in many counties and there's a responsibility uh, we believe on the meat industry uh, to help us to fight against this pandemic and support their own uh, employees and um, so we have introduced this idea of a five million euro levy on the meat industry to help to pay uh, for uh, the sick pay package uh, that we have brought forward we think that's fair and um, there's a responsibility on them to do it it's very interesting conversations that they have had with the sector trade union for example around improving the conditions of um, uh, meat, meat industry workers uh, that you know well this broad agreement in relation to health and safety and other matters There's little agreement uh, in relation to who would pay for sick leave and how that sick leave scheme would be designed. So I think that's really instructive in terms of where the meat industry is at. They have a huge responsibility to look after the workers and to, as well, prioritise the interests of the state because we know the difficulties that we've had over the last period of time in relation to outbreaks uh, in our meat plants. And significantly as well, if I can, um, because our focus very much is on work and how we maintain and create jobs because it's really... um, so important that we do everything we can and take every action necessary to protect and maintain the jobs we have because it's really it's it's much easier to maintain a job and create a new one. We're gonna introduce and we would plan to introduce a new short time working scheme in the way, a way subsidy scheme called Ober Now it's modelled on a very complex German scheme um, that's worked really well since 2008. I mean, in the last recession, um, this particular scheme that was in operation in Germany managed to save about 500,000 jobs. They had nothing close to the cataclysmic uh, yeah. unemployment situation we had here in Ireland. So what this is, is...
5: Uh, I think I talked about that with idea. someone before, yeah, that they, they did you something, as well, huh? much work that was there as we could give you, rather than you lose your job. All well, this, well, that's right, but, all, but, but yeah.
9: significantly your, your, your income would be supported up to you know 60% of your wages, and the days that you're not working, uh, you would be supported to do upskilling and training. Okay. And we know that we've an issue in this country with training and upskilling, and we know that only 5% of... Of, of people who are at work actually do regular in-work training, and that's not good for economy, not good for SME sector.
5: All of this reads very well, but I can see the messages coming in already, and you probably know where I'm going. I'm seeing messages to the tune of "This is the Labour Party that crucified the working class in the years of Australi- austerity. How can they? How can we possibly believe they have our back now?"
9: Well, we're a party that, um, in incredibly difficult circumstances, inherited from Fianna Fáil and the Green Party, uh, who put our economy and our society in-, in hock. We managed to help create a quarter of a million jobs. Uh, I was the Individual, for example, who established the Low Pay Commission, which has seen five successive increases to the national minimum wage, and introduced very important protections for workers in terms of zero-hour contracts and trade union and collective bargaining rights. So, um, you know, we did as well manage in the most difficult of circumstances to protect core social welfare rates, and all of the evidence shows that. Um, wage inequality and pay inequality actually narrowed uh, during the latter years of our period in government in a very, very diff- different set of circumstances. We've got choices now. That's the difficulty, um, and that's the difference. The difficulty last time was we didn't have choices. Okay. Uh, we were dealing with the borough of last resort where there were very uh, complex strings attached to the resources that were made available to this country to keep the doors open and to uh, make sure that those dependent on the state had some income. So it's a different scenario now. Uh, we've got the resources and we've choices to make over the next Few days in terms of budget 2021, and now is no time for the kind of traditional fiscal conservatism that we've often seen over the years from Fine Gael and Fianna
5: Fáil. And we'll we, uh, see where it goes. Develop a new
9: so, social contract for citizens, PJ. We, okay.
5: We'll see what Pascal Donoghue has in his, in his briefcase on on Tuesday. Finally, uh, the political shenanigans of the week, particularly Leo Varadkar's interview with Clare Bourne Monday night, which effectively was him not so much throwing. Tony Hollaghan and Neffet under the bus as throwing him under the bus that he was driving and reversed it over them a couple of times. What do you think of that?
9: Well, I think what I'm um, particularly interested in is the dysfunctionality uh, at the heart of this government, PJ. Uh, I mean, we have seen different versions of events um, being revealed by different ministers over the last couple of days and uh, the um, ridiculous scenario of the Minister for Health having to take questions last night um, uh, in relation to his role in this uh, you know, in, in the doll last night it's quite incredible and quite extraordinary in the middle of uh, a, a national uh, crisis like this uh, where we have this kind of behaviour from our government ministers, clearly uh, the Minister for Health knew um, Neffert's position uh, over the weekend um, either uh, he didn't communicate that properly to the Tornister or the Tornister was misrepresenting misrep- the situation I think everybody was uncomfortable uh, watching the uh, Tornister um, drive the, you know, the, the, throw Tony under the bus, as it were, the other night on the Clareborn program, and indeed reversing back over him on a couple of occasions. Um, you know, I don't think this uh, situation if you be a political difficulty or political issue with somebody. It should never be personalised. That's how some people are seeing it. Uh, everybody's doing a difficult job at the moment, an important job. Uh, um, you know, and some say we need to move on on this. Maybe we do, uh, but you know, and, and, and unite behind. The message but we need to know what the message is as well um, and I don't think this has been a good week for this government yeah. in terms of community communicating that message uh, in terms of everybody staying safe and well and doing the right things and following the um, public advice. Uh, the, well, there are clear fissures now between sure. uh, the government
5: and uh, Nefesh, and yeah. that is not good o- o- Only time will tell if that gets repaired Finally and briefly Jed, in 30 seconds uh, Carla wants to know, what did you say about fuel allowance what will you do? Yeah, we
9: would increase that up to €40 and extend it by four weeks because, as I said, we're going to have a difficult winter ahead, a a COVID winter where lots of people will be staying at home uh, more than they would like um, as a result of public health advice. And people who are on fixed incomes in particular will need that support over the
5: next few months as we head into winter. Okay, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Jed Nash, finance spokesman for the Labour Party.
4: You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on courts 96FM.
5: There's some interesting breaking international news. The United Nations Food Program has been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. That's just come through there in the last 20 seconds. 1850 715 is the number to call. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Before I go to whether or not you have started your Christmas shopping, because there's an interesting survey of parents who say that they are more organized now than they normally would be, or they're thinking about getting more organized far more early than they would be. We've had a message from a very worried caller. And I think it's probably a call that will reflect in many parents' minds at the moment. And I propose to read it before I go to that survey, just to set you thinking about it. It's there on the screen at the moment and I'll read it in about maybe 20, 30 seconds. And I'll hold off on the survey, literally for two minutes now, uh, until such time as I go through my numbers. Because someone just said, stop faffing about and give us the numbers. I will because they're fairly stark As you know over the last few weeks We've been doing them in 14 day numbers For Cork Using the official figures As published every evening By NEFET and the HSE And as logged up on the hub The case hub Which you can access anywhere you want these days It's just look up for the COVID numbers COVID hub And you'll find it But as of today October the 9th Cork's 14-day figures for COVID-19 cases is 699. Give you that again, 699, which is 140 cases thereabouts per 100,000 people. Now, they've also done a breakdown, as they do, of various areas, and I'll give you that in a second, because Cork City South Central is well in excess of that. But back a month ago, on the 9th of September we had 34 cases in 14 days. In August the 9th, we had 22. July the 9th, we had 10 cases in 14 days. June the 9th, we had 74. May the 9th, we had 107. That was as we were just coming up to the end of the first lockdown. And in the midst of the first lockdown, April the 9th, we had 410 cases. So we are way higher than we were in April now for our 14-day incidence of cases in Cork. In Cork City South Central, that's the South Central ward in the council. Two hundred and forty cases per hundred thousand. That's very high. That's very, very high. In Cork City Southwest and the Southwest ward, that's a hundred and ninety one cases per hundred thousand. Northeast one hundred and seventy three. Now if you're living around Bantry or Canturk you're doing grand because they're almost zero. There's a certain level of incidence that is almost zero. And Bantry and Cantorque are two of the lowest in the whole city and county at the moment. So, when I was talking about testing and all of that, and uh, if they do more tests, they'll find more cases, which, yeah, that's, that's a line that Donald Trump came up with a few weeks ago. And very rarely I agree with the man, but he's, he is right, of course, if they do more testing they'll find more cases and in the last 7 days and again these are the official figures in the last 7 days they've done 91,800 tests the positivity rate is 4.2% so the positivity rate is going up which is another thing we need to watch so there was a time when it was only about 1% or 0.8 or 0.9% now the positivity rate is 4.2% I'll come back to it and I'll come back to that call as well but let's have a look at Christmas shopping. It's the 8th of, or the 9th of October, rather, which is two months away from what is normally the start of the Christmas shopping rush. The Christmas shopping rush nearly always starts around the 8th of December, or the 9th of December, but today has been the 9th of October, and on the 8th, B- Baby Boo published a survey where they did and it was did it online with just over 1,000 parents in the midst of the concern about case numbers and all that and that survey returned that almost half of parents had already started shopping for Christmas they'd already started shopping then they re-ran the survey after the threat of level 5 at the weekend and the results jumped to 70% so they did the survey in two parts, before the weekend and after the weekend. Vicky O'Callaghan is the CEO of Baby Boo. Vicky, good morning to you. Good
2: morning, PJ. How
5: are you? Good. Certainly people are getting lined up uh, much earlier. It's 77 it's days are. to Christmas today. 77 days today. 11 weeks today is Christmas Day. Yep. And people are getting, ramping up their, their preparations.
2: Yeah, they definitely are. I suppose um, what triggered the survey with us was... We've had um, customers asking us for weeks when we were putting our Christmas stock on sale, which doesn't really happen generally at this time of year because they're more focused on our Halloween stock. Um, and usually, you know, we take the, the point that we don't put Christmas online until after Halloween. First of November is always our launch date and we don't change that. So we wanted to see, I suppose, was it, you know, a general thinking or was it just a cohort of parents who were being super organized. But at that point when we ran the survey, 71% had said they were being more organized. But about 40% came back and said they didn't want to see our Christmas stock online before Halloween. So we were kind of saying, okay, we'll hold off, we'll hold off. And then we ran it again um, after the Nessage recommendations uh, at the weekend and that dropped down to 20%. And about 70% had already started their shopping at that point. So um, yeah, it's it's mental crazy.
5: And normally most people would start probably mid-November and get the Halloween out of the way, get the midterm break out of the way, get them yeah, all exactly. back to school and then start negotiating with Santa.
2: Exactly, exactly. Obviously Santa brings all the big presents anyway, PJ, but I suppose parents are buying for nieces and nephews and other children so they want to be prepared for that as well. I think there's, there's just a sense of panic there, you know, that what they want won't be available and, you know, that Stocks will run out, and maybe they
5: won't be able to be replenished. Yeah. Funny that you should say that, because in terms of toys, in particular, Mickey, like Smith's mm. toys, were forced to issue a statement earlier this week mm. that the they were up. not running out of stock, that they would be restocking, and that their supply chain was intact. But we just look around you in 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 the big stores. Clothing in particular, like Mm. the the stocks are just not coming in. The winter stock is actually looks like last year's leftover winter stock that they've dusted off. The supply chains are slow. Like if you want to buy something for the house now, you could be waiting eight, nine weeks.
10: Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've seen, I suppose, ourselves, our supply chains, our lead times have been stretched from kind of 60 to 90 days to five to six months now for some of our stock. Um,
5: and I, uh, we'd that, that, that means you'd need to start ordering for stuff for the summer now. Yeah,
2: yeah. Whereas, no, well normally we'd be fairly organised for the seasonal stuff anyway um, and we did have our Christmas stock ordered back in May so we were, we were kind of ahead of the of curve at that point but um, yeah, I suppose we've been fortunate that we did have a large um, stock we, we took in a large amount of stock at the start of the lockdown so we had enough stock throughout for most of our products but we ran out of bits, like our bits are our biggest seller. We ran out of them a few weeks ago, and we're yes. only just restocking now. In what would normally be, like our supplier can get them to us within thirty days, but we're kind of sixty, ninety days now.
5: Yeah, that, that. so yeah,
2: there are delays definitely across the supply chain.
5: And I think parents would be afraid when hmm. this is the, this is around the time that that you know, youngsters that we have been trying to shield from the yes. worst of this. We've been trying to get them to to keep going as if everything's okay, mm-hmm. and we've been. You're getting letters to Santa or or what? this, yeah. I might want this, I might want that. And you're thinking, Christ, where am I going to get it? Where am I going to get it? You know?
2: mm. And the thing is, I suppose, like I have a six-year-old myself and she came into me yesterday morning. She said, Mom, I was thinking about it. I wonder, will Santa be able to get here with COVID now? Will he be able to go into all the houses? And, you know, it is on their little minds. And as a parent, we're all very conscious that you know, we want them to have the best Christmas. You know, it's been it's been a tough year for everyone, you know. And obviously, it's been a tough year financially for a lot of people as well. So that's, you know, going to impact on how organized people are being and how they're budgeting and stuff as well for the next few weeks.
5: Mm. Something else that I notice and, and I like this because I get very perplexed every year when people start cribbing about Christmas stuff in the shops in, in October. I, I, I love it. I love yeah. that. I think it's lovely and bright, it brightens up the prospect yeah. of a long, dark winter. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, certainly in the, in the second survey, people weren't that browned off at all.
2: No, they went from, I suppose I think it was 44% the first time round said, no, we don't want to see Christmas stock, to 20% the second time round. And actually, what surprised me more than that even was what, um, we asked how many people had finished their Christmas shopping I, on uh, Wednesday.
11: Yeah,
2: And one in 10 had finished their Christmas shopping. Finished it finished it. I wish I was that organised.
5: <laughs> you see, here's my thoughts on this. I've been saying this for years, Vicky. Anyone who says they're finished is a liar. <laughs> because here's the thing, right? The very person who said they're finished is the one in a queue on the 22nd of December going, <laughs> it's rubbish! But 9%, 9% say they're completely finished. Yeah, but
1: that's
2: right, uh, 1 in 10. So and, there you go
5: And I love this one Parents who can't wait to ring in 2021 <laughs> 95% of them
2: Yeah Can't wait to see the back of 2020 I don't blame them to be honest um, But yeah. I don't know is 2021 going to bring That much more positivity We'll have to wait and see won't we
5: We've talked you and I before about Baby Boo And about the kind of business that it is mm-hmm. It's tough for every business But in someone like yours what's What's it been like this year?
2: Um, we've had some challenges, as I said, now logistics and supply chain. But to be fair, PJ, we've been very fortunate. Um, as an online business, we're not customer facing. So we've been able to work more or less throughout the lockdown. Um, and I suppose a lot of people turned to online when they couldn't get stock in shops or when the shops were closed. So we've had our busiest year to date, actually, Um I thought the challenges for us were with staff and ensuring we were following all the correct protocol and, you know, ensuring that we could get orders out to people on, you know, in a, a reasonable time frame. But, um, no, I have to say we've, we have been very fortunate. OK.
5: Vicky, good luck with it. And when it comes Thanks around, so much, have a, I hope you have a, a booming Christmas. I hope every business has a booming Christmas when it comes. Vicky, thank you very much from babyboo.ie. I love that bit, though. 95% appearance, can't wait to ring in the new year 2021 with hope for a better year. We're about two weeks away, I think. I think it's two weeks tomorrow night. The clock goes back. Or is it the weekend after? I'm not too sure, but it's it's, it's either Saturday two weeks or Saturday three weeks. The clock goes back. <laughs> and a lot of people said, Jesus, can we just leave it as is? Would we really want another hour of 2020? <laughs> yeah, it's two weeks, two weeks tomorrow. The 25th of October. Thanks, guys. Two weeks tomorrow. No, don't. Oh, Jesus. Do we know another hour of 2020? 1850, 715, This message came up in the last couple of days. I took a call from a woman yesterday morning who was very upset by the fact that her mum is in her 80s. And part of her mum's day, a very, very important part of her mum's day, is going to mass. And she picks her up. And she brings her to Mass and that's her mum's, it's her outing for the day, it's very important to them both to be able to go to Mass. Under level three, Masses have gone back online. And if you have Facebook or if, it's on the, and it's on the telly too, but she was very upset because she thought, well, why can't my mum continue to go to Mass? And the point has been made too, that the churches are not exactly thronged for daily Mass. So is there some reason why we, is there any way we could go back to daily mass for level three at least? And the bishops or the archbishops have been now I think calling on the government and on Nefet to look at that as well. Could we, could we at least get people to be able to go to mass? And look, if you're not a mass goer, if you don't do religion, that's fine. But thousands of people do and for thousands of people around the country, I mean thousands of people, young and old. Their mass and their faith and their religion has been something to cling to through this. Catherine wants to talk to me as well about it. Next. The
4: Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction
1: Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour.
12: SelfServiceLaundry.ie If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
4: Gold, Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call
1: us now, 1850-715-996. On
5: Courts, 96 FM. Just on the numbers, and I went through the numbers with you a few minutes ago. Granted, the number of cases are up, says this comment, but what are the 14-day numbers for hospitalizations and death, and how do they compare to previous months, the number of cases is largely irrelevant. It's death and hospitalisation we need to worry about. The number of cases is not irrelevant. And here's the reason why. If you have more hens, they lay more eggs. If you have more cases, more positive cases, as sure as there's a tail on a donkey, you'll get more hospitalizations. And if you have more hospitalizations, you have more critical cases. If you have more critical cases, you have more ICU taken up. So the more cases you have, the more likely it is that your critical care beds and your ICU beds will get overwhelmed. And already people are saying up and down the country, they're very worried about critical care um, capacity at this stage. So this BS that's going around, run, well, oh no, count the hospitals and count the ICUs. Don't bother with the cases, that's irrelevant. Of course it's a. Oh, sometimes you just want to take your head and bait it off the flippin' table. Anyway. Catherine on Church Going, which is now back online in level three. Good morning to you.
13: Good morning. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely to talk to you.
5: Delighted. Uh, what is it you want to say?
13: Well, so um, as the country is obviously aware now, we were placed on level three of midnight of October 6. And part of level three, four and five means that the state is prohibiting any places of worship to open for services. So that doesn't just affect those who attend Mass or who are Christians. It affects our Jewish community, our Muslims. We even have a Hindu temple in Ireland. So this reaches across a huge uh, number of people in our country. Yeah. So what what I decided to do um, on the 6th of October was I set up a petition on change.org. And the name of that petition is Removal of Prohibition of Religious Services. And within 24 hours, there was over 1,000 signatures. Um. And what that petition was calling for is the removal of that restriction under Level 3, 4, and 5 of the prohibition of religious services. But hold
5: on a second, Catherine. Religious services are not prohibited. They have to what be done talking, online.
13: What we're talking about is a physical gathering of right. people going to a physical place of worship to observe, for example, you know um, communion, or you know we would call it the, the Lord's Supper, I believe, uh, as a Bible-believing Christian, for, for my faith, that according to Hebrews 10.25, we have an obligation to gather together. And we can't ignore the fact that religion is a real centre part of our society it's not just a spiritual thing it gives people comfort it gives people practical support and as you just said a moment ago for a lot of elderly people this is the one time of the day that they get to go somewhere that they feel safe and they're part of a community and that gives them a bit of encouragement in some really dark times that they're loved they're wanted they're valued and it gives them hope and that's really needed right now
5: yeah. Well, you see, the problem with indoor gatherings now is they're limited uh, to fifteen. And, and uh, the, yeah, I, yeah. So
13: this is the thing that I'd like Sorry, to point out. There's is, no
5: indoor gatherings, by the way. Sorry about that. I'm incorrect. There, yeah, there are no this, indoor gatherings.
13: This this isn't just about um, a number restriction or uh, a social distancing restriction. Under levels three to five, you are not allowed to gather for public worship at all. It does not matter if it's indoors or outdoors. It does not matter if you social distance or use face coverings. It does not matter of the numbers. And I think that that is a really disproportionate measure that the government is taking when we consider that there haven't been any clusters found in religious places of worship. And yet The schools remain open despite numerous cases being found across the country in schools. Um, Again, with meat factories, meat processing plants, we've seen clusters, and that production is still going on. So I don't think that it's a proportionate measure. Now, the encouragement is that since we started this petition, we've had a lot of support. I did contact the archbishops. I did contact various religious leaders. And I'm really encouraged to see that the archbishops are trying to have a meeting with me, Paul Martin, to try and come to some sort of resolution here that's going to ensure people's safety, but also that our constitutional right under Articles 40 and 44 of freedom of expression, uh, freedom to gather for religious purposes, et cetera, et cetera, is taken care of. And I think the state's policy at the moment is... Concerning because I do think that it encroaches on people's freedoms to do that. Perhaps
5: it does, but here's the thing, Catherine. You mentioned the point, and and I'm, I'm glad you brought into it actually because John criticises me for always mentioning Catholic churches. I I I was raised Catholic, so therefore I that's that's kind of it. I I'm aware that there are many, many, many more faiths in in the country, but public safety must come first at the time and and all of the problems we have surrounding gatherings
13: yeah,
5: and vulnerable people. And well, I if, would question if it's, if it if it's elderly people, advice. Catherine, if a lot of elderly people, like that mm-hmm. caller's mom yesterday morning, a lot of yeah. elderly people gathering in even small groups in a church, is it not risky? They're the most vulnerable group or one of the most vulnerable groups to COVID-19. Well,
13: what I would say to that is obviously I am... Um, pushing for the choice i'm not saying every old person uh, every vulnerable person must go to a place of worship of course there are going to be people who would prefer to access their religious services online and there's nothing wrong with that but i do believe and i i think not just for those who aren't vulnerable but for everybody there should still be the choice to go and i would question you know is this being based on public health advice um I can't see that it is because we haven't seen uh, clusters in religious places of worship, whereas we have in schools as well. Which, to be fair,
5: Catherine, a public health doctor might turn around and say, well, there you go then. That's why you haven't. What do you mean? Well, people haven't been gathering in churches in large numbers, which is why you haven't got clusters. Right,
13: so if it's not broken, why fix it? You know, we've been doing a great job um, with all through the religious communities over the course of this year of um, keeping socially distanced in our meetings and all the precautions. And that's worked really well. So I think history is, is showing that in respect of religious services, people have adhered to the guidelines, the majority. And as a result of that, we've been able to keep congregations safe. So I think that's a good indication of what we've been doing so far has worked and there isn't a need to change that. And what I would also like to point out is that your constitutional right to express your religion, to, to gather for you know religious purposes, cannot actually be restricted by the state on public health grounds. It can only be restricted in cases of public order. Or morality, and what it means by that, you know, is if we had a religious group that was going around our street advocating for paedophilia, that is when the state can encroach on people's quote unquote religious. Just what? Rights.
5: what what's just what's your legal, legal proof there? Constitutionally, well, you have a right can, to gather, but
13: yeah, anybody can read the Constitution for themselves, Article Forty and Article Forty Four, and and it's in plain English for everybody to well, read. You, just do, do, the, do me a
5: quick quote then, because I don't have one to hand. Give me what, what's the quote.
13: Oh, you want me to read the Constitution to you right now on air? Oh, well, if you've goodness. got,
5: if you if you're claiming you're you're, you're okay. quoting it, so
13: well, what um, so Article forty-three one to two speaks of uh, that the state must respect, defend, and vindicate our rights by its laws, and Article forty-four speaks of. Um, the right to public worship. Now, on the petition that I just mentioned earlier, which is on change.org, and that's called the removal of prohibition of religious services, you can read the constitutional provisions that I've quoted in there in
5: full. Yeah, but the public good, Catherine, the public good can supersede the Constitution.
13: No, your, your right to freely assemble in terms of religious gatherings cannot be curtailed by the government on public health
5: grounds. No, 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 no. You're wrong. You see, the, okay. I, I, you, I, no, hold on. You, this is from the Citizens like Information to, um, website. Let, let me just. Would counter, you like
13: to read that out on air if you lem- have a yeah, hand? let I will.
5: I will. I will. I will. From Absolutely. the from the Citizens Information website.
13: Which could we read the Constitution itself, Bonnarock and Heron? We can no, get no, that no, on our statute. You books? just you, you just read. To have a on, you, quote well, no, no, no,
5: You quoted the Constitution to me, right? I
13: paraphrased it to you. Yeah.
5: Okay. Well, fine. That's then interpreted by courts and by others. But the fundamental rights. According to the Citizens Information website, the fundamental right is not absolute. It can be limited or restricted by the Iraqis yes. for certain reasons. For yes. example, for the common good or for public order.
13: Okay, so what you need to realise is that if you want to have a constitutional debate, which I don't, you need to actually read the constitution. But you're claiming as well. that the,
5: you're, you're claiming that the that putting. Religious services online. Now you were, you were doing, you were doing great until you claimed that putting religious services online is unconstitutional. Cause it's not. No, I,
13: I didn't say that. What I said, and you will be able to read within the petition, is that if the government seeks by way of enacting a statutory instrument to make it illegal for religious groups to gather, that would be unconstitutional. As of yet, this is simply a recommendation or a guideline. No, but it's not.
5: It, hold on. It's any gathering indoors Of any kind So therefore, by very nature, that includes church There are two exceptions One is funerals and the other is weddings So
13: what, what, what is your point? I'm
5: my, sorry. Po- my point is, a church, a mass Or a service, or anything at all Is just another public gathering
13: well, arguably the the archbishops are speaking to Michael Martin saying that it's not just a gathering. And we're not talking about and we'll, see, we'll indoor, see how that goes. We're not just talking about indoor gatherings here. You'll you'll note that under level three restrictions you can gather outside. You can? Religious services cannot gather outside. For sporting events and training, you can gather in groups of fifteen and there is no limit to that number of groups of fifteen that can meet together outside. Are so you question, are you saying,
5: Catherine, that if if a priest wishes to hold an This is a genuine question because I don't know. If a priest wishes to say Mass or or a vicar have a service in a large open churchyard with 15 seats, he can't do it?
13: No, he can do it. Yeah.
5: So therefore, he can do it outdoors.
13: Yes, absolutely. However, the recommendation from the government at the moment is not to do that. And that's what we're looking to change. We're looking for the government to say... We're going to remove those restrictions in respect of religious services under um, levels three to five. And we understand that there may have to be uh, restrictions such as being outdoors or a limit of numbers or staggered service time so everybody can attend, but, you know, not in one big group. There, there obviously has to be a middle ground here and i don't think that we're finding that at the moment and judging by the success of the petition and that the archbishops are trying to have a constructive dialogue with the government i think there is concern amongst oh. people who adhere to and a Believe me, and not you're right who, there, there, who there is i've really taken
5: their calls i've been taking their calls and i sympathize very much with them there is there there is a lot of upset about it a lot of people who for whom mass i use mass as an example is is a daily thing and I spoke to a woman yesterday morning whose mom it's it's part of their day she collects her mom, they go to mass, they go home, and it's part of her mom's day but now her mom can't go she's upset about that, but public health advice insists that her mom at eighty five is a vulnerable person and should stay out of anywhere like that. And therefore, as a public gathering, it's not allowed.
13: Well, um, obviously, if an individual is in a vulnerable group, they have to decide for themselves whether they feel going to Tesco shopping is safe for them or they want to order their their groceries in. You know, they have to decide whether they would like to continue to see friends and family, even if it's within the the recommended number. They can't see friends
5: and family. You can't go to someone else's house at the moment. You're strongly advised not to, at least.
13: Well, as I understand it, under Level 3, you can have um, up to six people visit your home. I believe, believe it's from one different household. Yes. I understand that that can change. But obviously, people need to make choices for themselves. But what all of these restrictions are for with. the public good. What, what they feel comfortable uh, with is up to them. And there may be some elderly within our community who prefer to stay at home. And, but hold on, you know, are you suggesting
5: that? that the six people in my house, that we should also impo- give me a choice on that?
13: What I'm saying is that I think the government needs to be very, very clear. There has been criticism um, by the attorney general, by judges, by legal professionals that the government isn't making clear to people what is a recommendation and what is legally required of people. Um, I think that needs to be made very, very clear to the public so they can understand what they're legally required to do and what they're advised to do. And if it's advice, I think people need to decide on an individual basis whether they heed that advice or not. I'm not going to make that decision for people, but I do think the government has a responsibility to be really clear with the public what their expectations are and what lawfully people have to do. Well,
5: at the moment, we have cases spiralling, case numbers are spiralling, the hospitals are getting busy. Yeah. And it's not helpful to say it's just advice.
13: Well, it, that that is what it is, though. I think yeah, that, I know that, that. that that's a fact. You know, so I know that. But they it, want it,
5: people to stay away. they want people to stay away from church. They, they they want people to stay away from other places of public gathering. Cinemas are gone. Theaters are gone again.
13: Yes, but arguably, you know, under these current restrictions, I can go and have my hair done. I can go to an arts and cultural event. Yeah, because in a there's park. only
5: you and the hairdresser. You can't well, go I to can a gallery, go, by the way. They're gone.
13: No, I said I can go to an arts or cultural event in a park. There's still limited numbers, but And, and, and priests can, can have for, mass in
5: the, in the park as well, or the, the, the churchyard.
13: Well, exactly, and that's my point. I want to let religious leaders know that you're not legally required to close your places of worship. You're advised to, but if you feel that you would like to question that advice and still keep your place of worship open, as it stands right now, you're legally allowed to do that. However... We don't want to be going against public, um, against the government's advice. We would like the government to acknowledge people's concerns and to have a proportionate reaction to mm-hmm. what's going on. And, you know, I, I heard you talk earlier that the government is potentially looking at extending mid-term break. Yes. Um, with, you know, because the cases are going up and their concern is that that will keep going up, and by closing the schools for a little bit longer, they might be able to get that under control. Yeah. So, you know, that suggests to me that the government is aware that, unfortunately, keeping educational institutions open despite their best efforts has caused an increase in cases. But yet they're still open. And my point would be that we haven't seen anything like that in religious services. So
5: why why take the chance that it would happen?
13: Well, why take the chance to have anything open then? you know we can't live our lives in fear we have to make a balance here many many members of government you know uh we in direct uh, um opposition to netflix recommendation to go to level five they acknowledge the government acknowledged that we cannot just shut our country down and for people's mental health and their well-being as well as their physical health we really need to find a balance of what's going to be beneficial to most people across society and i don't think the mm. prohibition of public worship it's the way to do that.
5: Catherine, do you wear a mask in the shop?
13: Do I wear a mask in a shop? Mm. Is that relevant?
5: It's just a question.
13: Um no, I don't. Why not? Well, I would be exempt under section 5 of regulation 296 You've and I, a, I won't have divulge. You got a
5: medical. Have you got a medical certificate? I effect? won't be
13: divulging. Have You got a medical, medical certificate reasons. that fact. What I would say is that Regulation 296 does not require persons to have a medical certificate from their GP. Of course, people can get that if they want to. But I think that's kind of besides the issue. I know that my local church has been encouraging people to wear masks when they have gone to religious services and has been very instrumental. in. What is Section 5
5: of Regulation 296?
13: Section 5 of Regulation 296, sorry, I can't speak now, um, is essentially uh, a a list of reasonable excuses why somebody may not wear a mask in the list of places that that's the statutory instrument requires people to wear them in. And there, there are different reasons. There are you know, people that cannot put one on or take one off without assistance, uh, if they need to communicate with someone or, uh, you know, if uh, they experience severe distress. You know, there is a multiple multiple reasons why people may or may not wear one. That's not really what I'm concerned about at the moment. That's a legally required... Yeah, we found it. We've,
5: we found it. I just wanted you to quote. Okay, listen, you know what I'm going to... your case is a valid one. And A lot of people would agree with you. Um... Here's a text that's come in, though, and we'll finish with you on it. And Catherine, thank you for your time. PJ, I know it's very important we look after ourselves, and they must realise going to church can't be allowed. Otherwise, they'd be meeting the Lord sooner than they think. Come on, pray at home. It's not the building. God is everywhere. Catherine, I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you very much. 1850 Helen says, get rid of her. What's this about? I enjoy listening to PJ and pick up what I can off him, but my blood is boiling listening to this mumbo-jumbo. Sandra, I loved how she said people should have the right to choose for themselves. I wonder, as a Christian, did she have that opinion during the repeal referendum? Paul on Snow, will Catherine be marching at the weekend? And is she an Irish citizen? She's quoting the same things as the anti-maskers. She was getting—that's why I asked her about the the shop thing. By the way, I'm more along inclined to go with the doctors, and I've asked three GPs now uh, about wearing masks in shops, and she said there's three, all three of them have said there are very, very few people who genuinely can't wear them. Emma says, "Where do you find these loons?" <laughs> it's always the religious crowd. PJ, the churches are still open for private prayer, correct? They are. I can't understand why we can't proceed with christenings. There would only need to be two parents, two godparents, the child and the priest. If we have 25 for a wedding, why not six in total for a christening? Which, in my opinion, is the most important sacrament. And that's from Siobhan. But Siobhan, your child can be baptized in the hospital before you leave. If if you want the hospital chaplain, say, to baptize your child, or someone to baptize your child, then that can happen. Bernie, in the overall scheme of things... They allow, they allow off-licences to open, no problem, as you pointed out yesterday. Of course, the majority will use them responsibly, but they're the fuel for the parties that we know are spreading COVID. It's the same with the churches. It's a bit of a risk, but cases will be low if measures are taken, unlike the off-licences, which has fa- fueled the current surge. Close the off-licences and open the churches. Texter said, oh God, she's pathetic. Give her all the rope, PJ. These folks are the problem, and the reason will be in lockdown again brian says fitness classes are a lot of people's mass these days and they can't attend indoor classes can individual worship not take place kevin what like schools churches were closed that's why people were kept safe very trumpian of her to skip over that jesus get her off says jackie she's on about religious gatherings my grandson's christening has been put back three times again due to the level three restrictions and she's on about going to mass give me patience Finbar, ever noticed the people who say "Bunrock the Heron" never have a soft, lilting, mellifluous tone? Just saying, Daniel, where is God in all of this? Surely He'd have done something by now. Oh God, shut her up, P.J. Religious services are not more important than the public health. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. A dear just says my mom's been watching Mass every morning since the lockdown on RTE News. Now she's 80 and has kept her connected with the church, which is of great help. She's cocooning since March. That's from Deirdre. Yeah, (laughs) actually, um, at the end of the first lockdown, or coming towards the end of the first lockdown, when it was okay to go and visit my old mother, as as in go inside the door rather than just stand in the porch and chat to her in the hall, which is what we used to do to keep her safe, obviously. Came in and she sat at one side of the living room and I sat at the other side of the living room. We had our coffee and we're sitting there chatting and catching up. And then she turns to me out of the blue She goes, Right, you. shag off, I'm going to mass. <laughs> Love you too, mother.
4: The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Solid
1: Fuel Depot, now located at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood, and briquettes for collection or delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie.
4: This is Court's Gold Imro award winning talk show. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text
1: or WhatsApp now. 083
5: On Court's 96 FM. Oh, they're still arguing with me about the numbers. And as I was saying earlier on, as the case numbers go up, so too will inexorably and inevitably the hospital numbers and so too will inexorably and inevitably the ICU numbers. PJ more cases does not mean more hospital. 70% are asymptomatic. BS BS it's not 70%. There's a fair number but not 70%. If we didn't test we wouldn't know they exist and the graph would be much smaller What the hell? Some in fact the same number of cases in March. There's way less death how do you explain that? I find you are a fearmonger. You want to shut it all down. You have your cosy job. The virus isn't leaving anytime soon. We need to live with it. And your way of living with it will have loads of people dying from it. That's my argument. And if that makes me a fearmonger, then that's what I am. But I think most of my listeners would say that the one thing I've never wanted to do since the start is made them afraid. Facts never made anybody afraid, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, we have a few of them out this morning, lads, a couple of them out. I imagine that texture probably doesn't wear a mask either, but sure, that's, 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 Sarah, how are you?
11: I'm not too bad, DJ, how are you?
5: You've been a bit critical of the government, I think.
11: I I am, I'm usually not, but I am at this stage because um, we've seen this before, and we had closed schools, we had closed everything, but not um, the way it should have been done <clears throat> I think there's very little consequence for when you do something wrong in this country, and um, I see it dragging again for months instead of dealing with the problem, and that's it. And I don't think it's fair.
5: Do you see us going back into a lockdown situation?
11: I think so. I think um, I think uh, they're just preparing us, (laughs) preparing us for uh, for what's coming next. But uh, there's no preparing. There's no preparing for this. This is a crisis. That's why we have a national emergency team. Yes, they recommend level five. That's why it should be be done.
5: Should because we have gone into level five this week? Do you think?
11: I think so. Yes.
5: Yeah. Now I suppose the comeback on that, on Sarah, is that would cost thousands of people their jobs. I
11: know. I get. I totally get you. But dragging this for months will make it even worse. Yeah, it will. It, it's just. Uh, is it, like a putting a blind folder on people, because it's going to happen. Why Ireland, as such a small country, cannot close for a few weeks, mm. contain the virus, and then move on slowly? Why dragging it for months again on mm. end? Like, I took on myself to keep my children at home at the weekends, and I'm talking about a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old. Right. So to that's not an
5: easy task, keeping them at home at the weekend. It's
11: not. It's not. Because you see, as a parent, I have four kids between the age of 18 months and 19 years old. And I was struggling to send them back to school. But I said they need some sort of normality, as we all do. Yeah. So I send them back to school. Yeah. But I'm afraid constantly that they will go around with someone that has a virus. That person goes home. They have someone ver- vulnerable at home. That person will get really sick, and yeah. is in your conscience constantly.
5: Yeah, you say that. You see too many people just totally disregarding any of the recommendations. Oh
11: yes, oh, yes. You, see uh, you, you, see, you, you see that. You see, you see that. I don't need. I'm not uh, a very well educated person, but uh, I'm not stupid either. I just think uh, there's not consequences. Yeah. I heard your conversation this morning about the guards being doing the checking points. I just leave 10 minutes outside the town and I have to be stopped to work, to come into town in the morning and going home with the kids when I drop them to school. Yeah. I think for a level three, what are they doing? Like they're not going to tell you, turn around and go home. They don't have the power to do that.
5: They can only ask you. They can't make you do it. It's,
11: yeah. Exactly. So what's the point in having all the guards doing checking points when there's so much going on? Yeah. You know, Particularly, particularly
5: checkpoints that have absolutely no authority.
11: Exactly. So if, if uh, I think, and, and this, is, this is just my opinion as a parent, I think if there's no consequences of someone doing, knowing they have the virus, going outside and spreading it out, and have a consequence for that, people will go and do it. And that's it. You're just going to have that kind of people that that totally disregard for other people. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have that.
5: So you, I think, Sarah, can see lockdown coming. Can you see us being back the way we were in in March, say, when we could only go five kilometers, we can only go to the shop or the pharmacy? Can you see that coming back?
11: I think so. And I think it should have been done a long time ago. Uh, Even in March, in my opinion, my own opinion, don't get me wrong. You mean March wasn't strict uh, enough? I don't think it was strict enough because the airports were open. The ports were opened. I mean, Ireland is a small island. Mm. We could have contained the virus. If bigger islands can do it, why can't Ireland do it? I think it's better for everybody in every way to just sort it out for a few weeks. It's going to be tough. Nobody's saying it any other way. It's going to be tough. Mm. But it's better to have four weeks, five weeks, six weeks tough, and then go back to normal Then to be dragging this for months again. Okay,
5: good call. Thank you very much. That's Sarah.
4: You're listening to Highlights from The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or c 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
5: on Cork's 96FM. A lot of people have picked up on my question to Catherine about mass and religious services in general and her attitude to them. And we saw her going down a certain track in terms of regulations and rules and choice and constitutions and regu- this, that and the other. A lot of people particularly taken by my question to her, do you wear a mask in the shop? To which she came up with this regulation 200 and something? That says she doesn't. Now... It's there. It does exist. It does exist. And that there are exceptional circumstances in which a person can be excused the wearing of a mask. Most GPs will tell you that there are very, very, very few incidences where a person can't wear a mask of any kind. A mask or a or a you know shield of any kind. Medically. But this regulation does exist and a lot of people are using it as an excuse to get out of wearing a mask. Conor said, I wouldn't like to leave my name, but I was just down in the supermarket getting my shopping and the scene caused by this one who wouldn't wear a mask was unreal. She said she was asthmatic and she didn't have to wear a mask by law. She was brazen and you get the feeling she was just trying to make a point. I know plenty of asthmatic people and they can wear them. I know it might be possible, but the government needs to do something about this loophole for people who don't want to try. And I did speak to at least one GP about the asthma thing who said if you're taking your medication and you're looking after yourself as you should as an asthmatic, then the wearing of a mask Mm -hmm. to go into Tesco for half an hour should be no difficulty to you at all. Anthony on WhatsApp, though, says PJ, if a person doesn't want to wear a mask, that's their choice. As you said, it's not law. So if someone don't wear a mask, don't belittle them because it's their choice. Big words, recommendation and guidelines. Anthony, that's true. It is choice, but it's also mandatory. You see, it's a difficult one. Sign on the shop door says, please wear a face mask. Sign on the bus says, "Mask, wear, you know, face mask mandatory. But yet, if you take the mask off in the shop or refuse to put the mask on in the shop, or the other night, as I, was, I was walking around Tesco the other night, picking up a few bits and pieces. And there's this one, right? walking around with her basket and she's throwing the usual few bits and pieces in and she's chatting. She's got her phone under the shoulder and she's chatting away to her mate on the phone and she's got the mask hanging off the pop socket at the back of the phone. I thought, in the name of God. Dork. They are out there, far too many of them. 1850 715 is the number. The text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email, opinion at 96fm.ie. On what Sarah was saying about the fact that we should probably go into another lockdown and that the original lockdown back in March and April wasn't strict enough. I agree with her on that, by the way. I think we had a half-assed lockdown compared to many other parts of the world. and We've had that argument before. Frank says, while I agree we probably do need a lockdown, it'll be useless unless Northern Ireland does so too. They might limit our travel, but uh, there's no point in it if you can drive from Derry to Dingle, says Frank. Derry being the worst affected area, Derry and Strabane, I think, being the worst affected areas in the country and in, par- and in Northern Ireland, the worst part of the whole UK and Northern Ireland at the moment they have a thousand cases per 100,000 population in part of derry that's colossal when you consider ours are 699 that's high enough for cork they've over a thousand in derry and they're only at what the equivalent of our level 3 yeah 185715996 come back to it if you want Yesterday we had a very interesting discussion on disabled drivers and the fact that a Supreme Court ruling in June on, the, on how disabled drivers can get grants and benefits and tax reliefs on their vehicles. There was a Supreme Court ruling in June which made it necessary to change the regulations. The regulations have not been changed by the government. So therefore, no one can get the search required now. And it's affecting a lot of people because a lot of people can't afford to get the car adapted, to take their wheelchair or to have them steer with their hands and things like that. And we were surprised by the response we got. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. You got the primary medical certificate for your dad?
14: We did indeed. Um, We were one of the lucky ones. We got in about a week before they stopped giving them out.
5: (laughs) Yeah, a week before. That was before the rules changed.
14: Before the rules changed, yes.
5: And what did it enable you to do for your dad?
14: Well, what it enables us to do in theory is to apply to the revenue when we purchase a vehicle and we will get a refund of the VAT and the VRT on the, on the vehicle. Nice. However, it's a system which isn't equal because we then separately have to pay for the adaptation of the vehicle. And our experience, and we're new to this process, but our experience has been that the cost of the adaptation that we require which is to bring a vehicle in, or the wheelchair in the vehicle access ramp at the rear of the vehicle, and um, actually exceeds the benefit of the refund of the VAT and VRT. Okay. So we're caught between a rock and a hard face with regards to the cost of the vehicle. Now we've, my dad has very advanced dementia. We've done everything we can ourselves to make his comfortable uh, living possible. We are caring for him at home. He is a privilege to look after. We are very lucky. We have none of the aggressive or frustrated traits that often go along with dementia. We involve him in everything. Mm -hmm. We have adapted part of our house for him. We have provided appropriate seating for him. We've done everything. This is our first time, actually, going to the state looking for any assistance, shall I say. Not even help, just a bit mm. of
5: assistance. So you got to convert the car so that yes. he can get, you can get his wheelchair into it. you got the, vat, the VAT and the VRT back.
14: Well, we, we haven't done it yet. We haven't purchased because we're finding ourselves coming up short. These vehicles to purchase them new come in at, give or take, around €30,000.
5: Right. Because how what you, how what much you, that have would you get purchase,
14: back, you get approximately 8,000.
5: Right.
14: The adaptation is about 10. Right. Okay. So there, there's a gap in the system there. So it sounds great on the face of it, but it's not. Now, what I have been discovering is that it's not an ecosystem within itself either in its operation, because the adaptations can vary anything from a knob on a steering wheel. To the full hog that we have to go through. Yes. So somebody who requires an adaptation that may cost, say, €2,000 for argument's sake gets the same benefit in the VAT and the VRT as we will.
5: I see. I see. So...
14: The the system isn't perfect. Now, it's great, but it's not perfect.
5: Yeah. Which, actually, to just pay for the adaptation... If that would mean that there'd be money going around to cover your dad, just like there would be for the person who just needs one of those yokes on the wheel to enable and, and them steer with one hand, so
14: absolutely
5: rather than get and do people get? And again, Sarah, I don't know. Do people like get a cheque and say, "Do with this no. what you will," or what?
14: No, you don't get a cheque. Uh, you apply through the revenue. and um, You can do it manually, but they're encouraging people to do it online. You register your particular vehicle at which stage it becomes exempt from vehicle registration tax. You then pay the VAT at the time of purchase of the vehicle. Right. And you receive that back into your bank account by an online transfer.
5: I see. I see. So you don't actually pay the VRT in the first place and you get the VAT back. Yes. How quickly does that happen?
14: Well, if you're doing it online, um, my understanding, and I've I've dealt with similar projects through the revenue previously now with that, but my understanding is they will have the VAT refunded to you in a maximum of two weeks if you do it online. If you do it manually through paperwork, the process takes longer. I don't know how long.
5: Something else as well, uh, in terms. I look, it's paperwork and it's red tape, or we're the worst in the world for it. You're trying to get an adaptation grant for your dad.
14: We're trying to get a housing adaptation grant, yes, for my dad. Um, As I say, now this is all new to us as well, and we, well, we fell through the the cracks with the COVID, so there was a long delay in getting anything done. But eventually, after approximately six months, we were contacted by um, an occupational therapist on behalf of the city council. That lady arrived out. She did her report. She recommended, um, because of that, physical disabilities, which are directly connected with his cognitive impairment. So she recommended that we would need not a stair lift, as we thought in the house, but what's called a through-floor lift. So basically, they put a hole in your ceiling um, connecting two rooms, and you can put that in his wheelchair into this lift. It brings him upstairs, and he has access then to the entirety of the upper floor of the accommodation. Right. Um, We went and we got three quotations. We were told that a building inspector would come and assess our property. In addition to the through-floor lift, we also require access ramps front and rear of the property with appropriate handrails Mm. Um, because he's not 100% wheelchair-bound at the moment, but he is very unstable. And... um, We did our three quotations. We waited for the building inspector to be subsequently told that the inspection was done virtually in-house in the council in order to avoid contact arising from the COVID-19 difficulties. Everything was going well. Next thing they offered us, just about 60% of the cost of the works. Now, my parents, based on their income and their circumstances, Actually, meet the criteria for the full grant. This grant maximizes out at €30,000. Yes. Yeah. And the maximum level you can get yourself is 95%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They qualified for that, but they were offered 60%. So, on their behalf, I contacted the council and I said, look, how have you come up with these figures? You're telling us they qualify for the maximum rate. You're telling us that everything is hunky-dory. We've done everything as we were supposed to with the paperwork. What's the problem? The council, in their wisdom, have decided that the work can be done for a fraction of the cost of what three separate contractors gave us.
5: But isn't that how you do it? You submit your tenders? yes. And then, so they say you can go lower than that.
14: They say you can go substantially lower. The the tenders that we got ranged in twenty five, twenty six thousand euro. Right. Now I have been in contact with a number of these contractors subsequently, and I'm told that for the costs the council are pushing on just the through floorless aspect that they can't buy the equipment which comes in from the UK for that money.
5: Okay, Okay.
14: Okay. It leaves us with approximately a €9,000 gap in funding. And as part of the process, you have to submit all your financial statements so the council know on paper that the money is not there to bridge the gap. And their attitudes basically take it or leave it. So what do we do? And yeah. other people in our situation.
5: Yeah. What age he's is your dad, Sarah?
14: He's only seventy one. He's yeah. very young to be in the situation he's in. He unfortunately um was diagnosed when he was sixty six mm. and he has progressed extremely rapidly through the dementia so process.
5: Is he aware now?
14: No. No. He's not. Very happy. Yeah. Very docile. As I say, not frustrated or aggressive. Hmm. Loves his family, loves myself, loves mom. loves seeing us around. Does he know yes, you? Comes... Yes, he does. Good. He can't say my name, but he can say mum's name. Um, yeah. He knows that I'm his little baby girl. Yeah. I'm far from that, but <laughs> in my late 40s. and um, He knows his two dogs. Can't say their names again, but knows them. Okay. Um but gets confused and frightened if we're not around him.
5: Yeah. Now, I'm asking all these questions because I wonder how he, how is he aware at all of all of this difficulty? No.
14: No. Not at all, at all, at all. And he's almost completely nonverbal as well.
5: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, look after him as you have been continuing to do. and I, just... I
14: would lay down my life for yeah. my father.
5: <laughs> I get that impression.
14: Oh, I would. All right. He got me where I am in life and by God, I won't let him down.
5: Well, you've certainly told his story well today.
14: Well, I just wish that the politicians would wake up because like, they've now denied thousands of people out there any possibility of having a primary medical certificate. We will manage something. We will get by. We have it. We're one of the lucky few at this stage. Um, they had... They were supposed to bring in a transport support scheme to help people bridge the gap in the financial cost of adapted vehicles. It's been sitting out there for nearly eight years. They and haven't done as it.
5: someone made the point yesterday, and it's a very valid point, this Supreme Court ruling that has caused this problem with the primary medical cert, that didn't happen overnight. They knew it was coming. They knew that the um, appellant in that case was going to win, and they knew that they'd have to change the rules, and they didn't.
14: Absolutely. And like to get from the point where you issue proceedings to get to the Supreme Court takes a good four or five years.
5: So they knew it was coming.
14: They knew it was coming. They're the very same now with these adaptation grants for the housing. The councils actually have more money than they ever had this year, apparently, because they were granted additional funding with COVID-19. In addition, they were giving out no funding for several months, mm. and now they're just cutting people down. I would love to see where they get their sums from. All right, listen. I, I would love to see the makeup of their figures.
5: All right, Sarah. Thank you very much, and the best of luck to you and the family with Dad. Uh, and and I hope, I hope that his. It's a terrible condition, but I, I, I just hope its prognosis is as good as it can be, which is probably a very sort of foot-in-mouth way of saying what I'm trying to say, that I wish him well. 1850-715-996, on lockdown. I'm jealous, says PJ, I disagree about level five. Do people realise how it will affect businesses and mental health? I know a few people who are now in debt because of the previous lockdown and they lost their business. I'm sick of people actually thinking selfishly we have to learn how to live with this virus otherwise we'll live like this for a good few years wearing face masks and keeping distances is it that hard for people to learn that? If you look at how many, how many rises were during full lockdown for suicides oh yeah, 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 that point being that suicide went up during lockdown it was quite a lot Look about the Dublin anti-mask protests. Is it that hard to wear a mask? I wear a mask in my job all the time. Do I have time to complain? No. It was hard at the start, but you get used to it. And just on the suicide rise during lockdown, we are hearing an awful lot of anecdotal stuff about suicide. And we've looked into the mental health elements of this all week. And anecdotally, more people are reaching out for help. Anecdotally. More people are picking out the, the, the picking up the phone to look for help. And that's brilliant. But this notion that there's hundreds of suicides, none of that is verified. Unfortunately, there probably are a lot of suicides. No doubt about it. But the, this, this story going around, there's hundreds of them. It's not verified yet. When it is, we'll talk about it. Or if it ever is, we'll talk about it. But not now.
4: The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM with the indoor
1: self service laundrette now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying, done within an hour. SelfserviceLaundry.ie.
4: This is Courts Gold Imro award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text
1: or WhatsApp now 083 396
4: 9696 on Courts 96 FM.
5: just harping back to a very early conversation in the programme this morning, where we were talking about Gardaí on checkpoints and Tony called us to say, look, isn't it better to be using the guards to actually deal with crime on the streets, like that stabbing we had in Patrick Street yesterday and where were the guards? They were there very quickly, but they should have been on the on the beat, instead of being their time being wasted on level three checkpoints. And people were asking the question, like, what's going to happen with crime now? Well, the good news yesterday was that a man was arrested. I got several notifications of this. A man was arrested in his late teens after Gaddy seized €2,000 worth of suspected crack cocaine deals in uh, Fitzgerald's Park yesterday afternoon. So they are still doing their primary job, fair play to them and their time is being wasted on checkpoints checkpoints that are completely powerless but at the same time they're still doing their jobs Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. now this is an unusual one, it's Friday right, so these little ones come up for a, a bit of time on the programme, we always like to do it on a Friday there's been an increase, believe it or not in people seeking cosmetic work on their face why? because everything now is conducted on Zoom so instead of worrying about your clothes or or the fact that you might be wearing your pyjamas under the shirt and tie or any of that, people are now worried about the bags under their eyes, their crow's feet. <laughs> and people are actually now, because they are committed to being on Zoom for the foreseeable, they're now seeking out the help of plastic surgeons and cosmetic surgeons to um to beef up their faces, like help. John Curran is a plastic surgeon in Tralee. Hi, John. Hi, PJ. Have you oh, had yes, people, and, and i delighted to talk to you, have you had people come to you and say, listen, because I'm on Zoom so much, I need to perk up my face a bit?
10: No, that has not happened for me. Um, I think if you look at big markets like the United Kingdom or the United States where these kind of surveys are often conducted and where there are many, many more people it's quite likely that you'll get answers like that in market surveys and so on. Uh, There's no doubt that people are using online technology for work and for meetings a lot more than before for obvious reasons and of course I think we're all familiar with the concept of being in such a call using WhatsApp or Zoom or whatever and the way um, you can often end up looking at your own face as opposed to the face of the person you're meant to be speaking with. Yeah. And I think, of course, it's possible that attention can then be drawn um, to you know, whatever little discrepancies or issues there what, might be on your own face.
5: What you're politely saying is like, you'll see yeah. the things no one else does.
10: Well, you, you, as, I mean, I think anyone, if they look at their face long enough, will, yeah, exactly. It's probably the face that we're all most familiar with, our own face. And of course, if we're looking at it a little bit more, then those little discrepancies may uh, appear more um, amplified. And of course, it, it, amplified is the word. These uh, things might look worse or more apparent to us on a screen if we're looking at it for extended periods than they actually do to other people in
5: real life. No you know as a surgeon you you speak with authority with regards to this stuff what we have come across john is a lot of people going to what you might call backstreet filler merchants and and you know botox people so so that would be advised against i think this is something
10: that plastic surgeons and dermatologists in Ireland have been very concerned about for a long time um the situation is that when we talk specifically about cosmetic filler injections which are not designated as a drug and which you can therefore buy without a prescription um or uh, and can be administered by somebody with really very little if any training um and often these people can do a reasonable job but the problem uh is that in the event of problems uh complications and so on most of these practitioners won't really know what to do or how to reverse the problem or indeed have the authority to prescribe the medication that can reverse the problem if one occurs. Um, And so plastic surgeons and dermatologists in Ireland are, are very specific in advising consumers and patients to seek out properly trained practitioners for these sorts of interventions. And by that I mean consultants, plastic surgeons or consultants, dermatologists, who definitely have the training Um, uh, now other uh, medical doctors may have sufficient training in some of these practices uh, but we would recommend that patients and consumers check the credentials and the training of anyone um, for whom they're considering this kind of work. Okay
5: okay John thank you I know you're under pressure for time that's John Curran plastic surgeon based in Tralee, appreciate your time today. John's advice, he, well, first of all, he hasn't had any, anyone come to him directly, but his advice is if you're sitting there looking at yourself in Zoom or, or Google Teams or whatever they call them, these Microsoft Teams, and you're thinking, I look like a fright, the chances are you probably don't. The chances are you're looking at your own face far too, far too critically on what can be a not particularly good camera. Nags says, plastic surgery, I've barely worn makeup since all this started. I wear a mask when I'm out, so I don't need to. Every cloud and all of that. But John's serious advice is don't. John's serious advice is don't go down some back street for filler for 50 quid. Because you'll do more harm, or you could do more harm than good. You could do harm that experts like him can't reverse. I need to mention someone who's got a big birthday on Sunday. And the reason I want to mention her is because she shares it with the twins. All right, James and Gemma are 23 on Sunday. Dear sweet God, did I ever think 23? But, but, Rose Morrissey in Browningstown is 90 on Sunday. She shares her birthday with the twins. And she sent a little Christmas, a little birthday card to Gemma. And Gemma was most impressed. We know her in our house just as Ellen's granny but Rose Morrissey in Browningstown will be 90 on Sunday. A big roundy birthday. Enjoy it and may I have many more of them.
4: The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM with the Solid Fuel Depot
1: now located at the Junction Supermarket
4: Vickers Road. Coal,
1: Gas, kiln Dried Wood and briquettes for collection or delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie
4: this is Cork's Gold Emro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call
1: us now 1850
5: 715 996 On Cork's 96 FM And so we've been watching a video there in the break Now obviously I can't show you a video But i are going to play the soundtrack from it Because uh, uh, we're going to talk about it just next. This actually, you you will if you could see this, you'd absolutely love it. Okay.
15: This is Thomas. Thomas has dark days, like so many others. He finds it hard to cope. The only way he knows how to talk is the sock puppets he makes. It's okay not to be okay. To you, no, It's okay not to be okay. Socks don't judge, but socks can't listen. Socks can't understand. People listen. People understand. Just talking can be one of the most important steps on the road to recovery from depression. PATA provides round-the-clock crisis intervention to those experiencing suicidal ideation. That's why Tom P2 Socks has teamed up with Pieta. And for every pair of its okay, not-to-be-okay socks sold, we will donate €2 euro to directly support Pieta in the battle against mental health issues.
5: It's a lovely little video uh, about Thomas Barry, uh, a young, brave, very different entrepreneur. His dad Finbar joins me. Finbar, good morning. Good morning. It's, it's a lovely video. And and it really Thank gets gets the message across. Uh, for Thomas's trendy socks, tell me a bit about Thomas.
16: Well, Thomas is the youngest of seven children. He's born with Down syndrome and a whole host of other serious illnesses. Yeah. Uh, he has had a double hip uh, replacement uh, in the last number of years. He was the youngest person in Ireland actually not undergo that operation. What age was he? He was twenty eight years of age when he had the first one, and that was very extremely they, they were very reluctant to tell you of the operation due to his young age, but there was no choice yeah. and he had to have the second one then three years later so a lot and of pain in, a
5: lot of pain in his life
16: oh absolutely He had no idea of the amount of pain that and and still does to this day now that the the, the degree of pain is not as bad as initially, you know, before prior prior to the operation, but he still, as I said, he has a lot of uh, medical issues.
5: Uh, probably as a result of that, he gets depressed, I guess.
16: uh, He does. He does at times, yes. Um, Well, Thomas uh, surprised us one day when I was heading out to work one day and he says to me, Dad, make me a lunch and go to work. And the poor child wasn't able to stand, let alone uh, even tell you, I need to start a task. Mm. You know, and I know a lot of down children children uh, children do get employment, you know, in shops or in yeah. in, in garden centres or whatever, you know. But you see, Thomas's situation was different. He was unable to, to stand or to walk, you know, and yet he wants to go to work. Mm. So not to pour water on his dreams, I said, ah, yeah, Thomas, maybe later. You know, maybe next year. So when you say something to Thomas, he doesn't forget it. You know, he's a memory like a tape recorder. And and, uh, over the years, he kept saying to me, Dad, I'm going to work, get me a job, I'm going to work. So his mother and I uh, would keep uh, repeating this to him every time he brought up the subject. And eventually, he kept it up and kept it up. And eventually, I said, I have to do something for him to get some way of you know that he can feel he has a job. So we came up with the idea of the, uh, the trendy socks because Thomas has always played with socks. Right. He never he never played much as a child with toys or you know, thing like that. But mm. the socks he go nowhere without them. Really? And he puts one sock into the other and swings them around on his fingers all day. He's an expert.
5: It's a a sensory thing with him, is it, yeah?
16: Yeah. Yeah, where it it, started, it it, it was. Yeah, but anyway, I said, well, he likes socks, so, you know, why not not do something in that line? So we came up with the idea of setting up this online business for socks, selling trendy socks. And with the help of my grandson, who has been of enormous help in setting up this business and, and running this business, it's a family-run business, and we we were able to launch this. We launched it uh, last year in in May last year, and so far we've been uh, doing
5: pretty good. So, so how does it work? Does he design the socks, or does he? What does he do?
16: Yeah, well, he, Thomas has actually designed uh, socks himself. You know, yeah. but we normally purchase them. You know, but uh, we normally does, does, we normally purchase them pre-designed. But Thomas has actually designed. Uh, Sock for Down syndrome awareness himself, nice. you know, which is doing very well. You know, there's a lot of people buy that, you know, but we we wanted to do something for mental health, and uh, my grandson designed this sock, uh, which which is connected to that little tape that you played there, the video tape, mm. um, and it, it explains, you know, uh, all about you know the the mental health issue and, and getting the message out is so important to us. We feel it's not just about the sales of socks, it's about mental health, about making people aware of the problems that people undergo and are suffering through mental health issues. Yeah. And everybody has a part to play in that. You know, we, we can be kind to people, you know, we can be more understanding to people. We see people and, then, and they're, maybe they're withdrawn and themselves. we could ask them, you know, are you okay? You know, do you need anything? You know, can I help you? You know, yeah. uh, these, these little gestures, you know, can make it uh, so much, uh, it'd be so much bigger for the person who is suffering. You know, and instead of just ignoring them and saying, ah, they be okay, or, ah, they're just in a bad mood. You know, these people are under- undergoing uh, serious mental stress and anxiety and they need people to understand more and more. And, not only in that, but I think I think uh, governments should be taking a bigger part and playing a bigger part in all of this on a national level, you know. But anyway, we want to do something so to mark uh, Mental Health uh, Day Awareness Day, we well, we designed this That's talk tomorrow. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Yes, that's that's coming up tomorrow, and we designed this sock and we, we we partnered up with PA the House who do fantastic work in that area. And, you know, they, they, um, they're, they're very uh, glad to, to partner up with us. And, you know, every sock, every pair of socks that's sold, we donate two euro to them in their, for their, you know, for their help them to, to in the, in the battle against people who are suffering with these, with these mental health issues. And, you know, the, the support of people from around the country has been great. You know, uh, you know, we, we just like, Everybody to be aware of it, and and if they can support us in this way, they're doing something very valuable. Not only for Thomas in, in keeping Thomas in a job, but they're also supporting a lot of people who are suffering out there in silence. Yeah.
5: There's a website. Okay.
16: Yes, the website is called thomp2 dot T h o m p two dot com, okay. and. Once you go into that you, that opens up the whole thing and you can see you can see all all the, the socks that are there right
5: and and two euro from every pair oh. will go to Piazza. Yeah. okay
16: yeah and you can also you can also Google Tompe two socks yeah Thomas's trendy socks and that will come up as well you know
5: excellent
16: so, so the, the, there should be no issue about about getting onto the website you know
5: excellent now um, I that's brilliant, and I hope it's a massive success for you. Just with a name like Finbar Barry. Yes. Now, there's a strong Dublin accent there, but there's, <laughs> there's got to be a car connection.
16: There's definitely a car connection. Now, let me, let me tell you a little bit about that. My father, John Barry, was born in 1906 in a little town called Dunmanway, in, in Castle Street, Dunmanway. We know it well. Yeah, I'm sure you do but that's where he was born and uh, in, in when he was 15 years of age he wanted to join the Free State Army and he did he joined up and uh, what happened was he was in it for six months and they he was fully fully uh, trained soldier, he was doing his duties but somebody spotted he wasn't 16 and they called him in and they said I'm sorry. Look, you have got to be 16 to this to there, and they said, "Look, come back to us when you're 16. You'll have no issues, no, no none whatsoever." So he was, he was wasn't very pleased with that, you know. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, the very next day he went back up. He left his home in Cork, went up to Dublin, joined up in Dublin, <laughs> and was in it for 47
5: years. In other words, you know, he fooled the Doves.
16: He filled the dubs,
5: absolutely. <laughs> and Corkmen cork <laughs> cork have been doing it forever. Listen, best of luck with the socks. Great to talk yeah. to you and, and give our best to Thomas.
16: Thank you very much. But I, would I also just take this opportunity to say thank you so much to all the people around the country, but in particular to the people of Cork who have been phenomenal uh, Supporters for Thomas's and,
5: trendy socks. And why thank would you very much. why why wouldn't we be and, and 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 his dad practically one of our own? Finnbar, thank you very much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Tom T H O M P two dot com. The
4: Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM with the Junction Supermarket Vickers
1: Road, everyday essentials, fresh bakery and Asian foods, open every day till late. The Junction Supermarket Vickers Road.
4: This is Quartz Gold Imro Award Winning Talk Show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: Text or WhatsApp now. Oe three three ninety six 96
4: on Quartz
5: 96 FM. Catching up on a couple of comments, Pat. Oh, by the way, yeah, there are traffic lights at Dino's in Blackpool. The pedestrian crossing at the Sunbeam gate, parking on the left. The last few days, there's mobile road signage there uh, telling us that there'll be roadworks to expect delays on Wilton Road. Is that meant to be there? What are they taking at the council? Not quite sure what your message means, Pat, but thank you for it. On Zoom and faces and getting your face done, or your eyes done, or whatever. Uh, Dee says she misses lipstick. No point when you're wearing a mask all the time. On the disability grants, so we are talking uh, to Sarah about her situation with her dad. Uh, PJ, I got a grant in 2008 for my wife. The maximum amount then was 30k, and it was easy to get. I just heard the lady there say the upper limit is still 30k, and she was denied it. I think the public representatives you have on the show should address that If you were to do now what I did in 2008, the price of it would easily double. Some more people think, well, will we eventually be in terms of lockdown? I'm okay, will we eventually be in a level five lockdown? Well, what we know, what we didn't know at nine o'clock, and we do know now, is that there's a very strong possibility that the midterm break in the end of October will be extended for another week, possibly another two weeks. The Irish Independent has it on their website this morning. It was just a rumour earlier on. There was another rumour in the papers this morning that in actual fact Stephen Donnelly has been sitting down with Tony Holohan after they got rid of all the, the row and all the bad feeling and they had tea and bickies and all that. social distance, of course, tea and bickies. They are now preparing to, to take us to another level at the bank holiday weekend, unless there's a dramatic improvement in the numbers which it doesn't look as if they will be particularly north of the of the border so they are preparing to take us somewhere at the at the end of the the, the bank holiday all that I guess you will come out over the weekend on masks and I remember talking talking to Catherine about going to mass and not being able to go to mass and how she felt that not being able to go to mass was an attack on your constitutional rights. And then I asked her about masks and she said she doesn't wear them in the shop and that she has an exemption. Pauline says, I suffer from COPD and I have no problem breathing. My only problem is I have glasses and I can't see, but I have no problem breathing with a mask on. Yeah, that's a consistent problem with people. When they put on a mask, That if they're wearing their glasses, the glasses fog up. Some of them have a bit of wire in it and you're supposed to press that down over the nose and try to keep uh, the air if you want the breath from coming out over them i don't know if it works at all i wouldn't like to leave my name but I was just down supermarket. oh yeah a couple of those people spotting rows now in supermarkets challenging one another on on masks and put a mask on you i don't have to put a mask on you i don't have to i still maintain that if someone is in front of me in the queue and they're not wearing a mask If the person behind the counter doesn't want to serve them, that's entirely up to them and I would support them 100%. Right, that's pretty much it for today and for the week. Before I go, quick mention of a man who would have been celebrating his 80th birthday today, where he's still with us. Sadly, he was taken from us uh, by a murderer uh, 40 years ago. He was just turned 40, but uh, John Lennon would have been 80 today. uh, and no doubt he would have a lot to say about the world in which we presently live. So we'll think of him as we go out for this week. Edited by Deirdre Schottency, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Talk to you Monday, just after nine.
15: Imagine no possessions
10: Wonder if you can No need for greed or harm Brotherhood of man Imagine all